We're going to talk this morning about what is it and uh, why is it so important to us? Why is it so important to us? And there are some things that God has instructed us to do that are counter to uh, what um, it's natural and normal and our natural instincts to do in our lives. And so uh, the first thing that I want to share with you is that you were wired, you were wired for worship. You were wired for worship, and you know what a wiring is like. You know that if your house is not wired properly, what will happen is that it'll short circuit, and when something short circuit, it blows out. That happens in our own lives as well, that God has wired us a certain way, and when those wires are crossed up, then there are things that do not function or flow the way that God designed them to. And so let's uh, start off by uh, reading together in the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. It talks about uh, what God has done and also how God has done what he has done. And uh, it is so critical to our own lives to understand essentially creation and its role as it relates to our role uh, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Colossians chapter 1, it says that for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. All things were created by him and all things were created for him. Would you say that with me, that all things were created for him and by him? Now, so everything that exists, everything that exists, it was made by God and it was made for God. And so we were made to honor and serve and worship our creator. The beautiful thing about that is that since the beginning of time that, uh, that, that there's been worship in heaven and there's been worship in the earth from the beginning of time. We know that uh, because the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 4, it says that the angels were flying around Uh, the throne of God and as they were flying around the throne of God they began to say holy 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 is the Lord of God who was and is to come they began to praise him we find also that the earth praised him because the Bible tells us in Psalm 148 that the sun the moon and uh, the stars gave him praise And, and so Praise has always been in heaven and it's always been in the earth. And uh, we recognize also that uh, there is a purpose for why God said that he desires us to worship him. He desires us to praise him. And uh, it is in the book of Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3. We're going to read that and then we're going to jump over to the book of Romans uh, chapter 12 and we're going to spend some time in Romans chapter 12. But in, uh, but in Isaiah chapter uh, 6, verse 3, it tells us, well, let's read that together, champions, like you know it is the word of his power. Let's read it together now. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full. The whole earth is full of his what? The earth is full of his what? It says not a part of the earth, not just Texas. Oh, my God. It says not just the South, not just what we know as the Bible Belt, but it says that the whole earth is full of his glory. 
Now, to understand exactly what God is saying here, it's important for us to get a clearer understanding of the word glory. And uh, there are two primary meanings of the word for glory. The first word, uh, meaning of, for the word glory, it means brilliance. It means brightness. It means radiant. So glory means brilliant. It means bright. It means uh, uh, something that is, is illuminated, that radiates. That's the first meaning of glory. But what's interesting, though, is that the Bible really instructs us about the second meaning of glory. And the second meaning of glory, it means to honor or respect or praise or to give credit to. To honor, to, uh, to respect, to praise or to give honor to. That's what the Bible instructs us to do when it talks about his glory shall be full in the earth, in the whole earth. It's saying that there's coming a time when the whole earth is going to honor him, when everything on earth is going to praise him, when everything on earth is going to respect him, when everything on earth is going to give him the credit. And when we honor him, when we praise him, when we give him credit, when we respect him, the Bible calls that his glory. His glory. Now, uh, let me give you an example of that. In the book of Matthew chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible tells us that Jesus had went on a mountain and he sat there. And as he sat there, there was a crowd that was gathering around him. And as the crowd came together, they began to bring the lame. They began to bring, bring the blind. They began to bring the mute. They began to bring the crippled. And, and, and they put them, the Bible says, at Jesus' feet. And then it says that he healed them, and when he healed them, the crowd was in awe. And when they saw the mute speaking, when they saw the crippled walking, when they saw uh, the, 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 the lame walking, when they saw, saw the blind seeing, they were in awe. And the Bible says they glorified God of Israel. And so when we look at this, what happened? What happened? for them to bring him glory. What, what happened was that they saw the power of God. They uh, uh, had a natural sense of awe for what they had experienced. And then they expressed that awe by verbally recognizing him and in action. So they saw it, they recognized the power, then they responded to it because they were in awe of what they had seen and when they were in awe of what they had seen, then they began to verbally recognize what they had seen. And so it was a response to what God had already done and who God was. And the Bible says that they brought him glory. How did they bring him glory? Through praise and through worship. And so uh, the Bible calls that not only shall we give him glory, but it says that we shall behold his glory. Behold his glory. Behold his glory. That's amazing. We should behold his glory. You know what? Let me give you uh, an example here. I, I have a, a Samsung Galaxy. It's, it's a wonderful phone, and I know that some of you have backslidden and have iPhones. But, 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 I, but I have, a, 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 I have the already the next best thing, uh, even though, yeah. So I have a Samsung Galaxy, 
And I, and, and I really like that phone. Well, you know what I do is that I can make phone calls with it. I can text uh, with it. I take pictures with it. I uh, uh, send emails with it. I even check my calendar with it. I, I asked it this morning, hey, hey Google, what, what do I have on my calendar today? And you know what, what, what she said to me? She said, worship God at the Champion Center. And, and so I do so many things. You know what? When I'm driving, I use my phone as a GPS. So I, I do so much with my, with my mobile phone, with my cell phone. And so uh, one of the things that happen is that every time my phone does what I expect it to do or what I want it to do, it reflects well on the manufacturer. See, when, when, when my phone does what it it reflects well on Samsung. When, when your iPhone does what it was uh, created to do, and what, you, what, what you want it to do, then it reflects well on Apple. And, and, and that's, you know, that's what great creations do. They reflect well on their makers. And that's what worship is. Worship is reflecting uh, well on or giving credit and honoring and respecting the one who made you. And so like a cell phone was wired for communication, uh, we are wired for worship. We are wired for worship. But God wants us to do more than just worship. He wants, us to go, wants it to go deeper than just giving him glory. But he wants not just by what we say, but he wants us to give him glory within whatever we do. Now, in the book of Matthew chapter 10, but I want you to go to Romans 12, and we're going to go back. We're going to go to Romans 12, and that's where we're going to land today. But I want to set up and lay this foundation here. And in the book of Matthew chapter 10, it says a beautiful thing here. And let's read it together now. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and now, isn't that frustrating when you're looking for something and where you're looking for it, you can't find it? So God says that if you're looking for yourself, you won't find it in yourself. <laughs> but if you forget about yourself and look to me, then you'll find both yourself and you'll find me. It's not a beautiful picture. You know what? One of the greatest tragedies in life is people living but never finding their place in life. And do you know what it's like to, to, to have a, have you ever had a finger out of joint? Have you ha ever had your, your, your arm out of joint? It is so painful. And uh, even if you look at uh, a sprocket, if you look at a sprocket, one of the things that you recognize is that a sprocket is designed to fit within itself. But if it doesn't, then ultimately it wears down and it does not ultimately do what it was intended to do. Well, that's what happens in our lives, that we will wear down simply because that we uh, uh, have not uh, find, found our place. And the only way the Bible says that we find our place is that we find it in him. And the beautiful thing about it, he says that don't wor worry about what you're lo looking for, because what you're looking for, that I'll give, be able to give you what you're looking for, but I'll be able to give you even more than what you're looking for. And so... Uh, I know that it's counter against everything that we've been taught in the world. Um, it contradicts your instinct, instincts uh, to not uh, look after yourself. And if, but if your life, the Bible says, is pursuing your own desires, your own goals, then you'll be disappointed. But if 
your priority is pursuing God, and if if your priority is pursuing what he desires, then not only will you be fulfilled, the Bible says that you will, you will, not, not maybe, but God will cause you to have more, do more than even you, what you dreamt of. Now, let's look at this. In the Old Testament, God said that to them in uh, Hosea, he says that, look, I don't want your sacrifices. He says, I want your love. Think about that in a relationship that you might be in, that somebody is always doing something for you. But, but, you know, they, don't, they will do something for you, but they don't love you. And so when they do something for you, they don't do it happily. Can you give me a water out of the refrigerator? Oh, I just sat down. <laughs> then you get up, and then you do it. But, man, it's not, I mean, the water turned bitter. It's not sweet anymore. And how does it feel? It doesn't feel good. Why? It's because you asked a very simple thing, but yet the very thing you asked, it seemed like it was a huge undertaking. Now, so, so God says that I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. And he says this. He says that I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Now, what he's saying, let's be clear on that. He said the Bible says that God will accept in Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, it talks about how God accepts your heart before he accepts your giving. So if your heart is not toward him, then the giving does not produce what God desires for you to give, to you to have in your life. So he wants your heart, and then when he gets your heart, whatever you do, then God takes it because it's done with a good heart, and then he begins to multiply. That's why he says that when you give... God loves a cheerful giver. You know what? The roof should come off this place if you have anything to give when it says that it's time to worship God with our giving. What should we do, church? Just like that. When we say it's time to worship God with our giving, what should it be like in this place? You see what I'm saying? My God. Okay, so check this out. In the book of Romans chapter 12, are you there? Shout on, huh? If you're not there, I'll be uh, just share with this while you're turning there in the book of Romans chapter 12 because Romans 12 is the, is, is the turning point in the book of Romans. And I, and I love Romans 12. It is the turning po- point in the book of Romans. And for the first 12 chapters of Romans, Paul does something. He describes uh, all that God has done for us. And he, he tells us what God has done for us, and he, he describes it. And, 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 and what he says is that we weren't doing so well, and God sent his son Jesus to come and deliver us. And then he says in the third uh, uh, chapter of Romans, he says that uh, salvation is through Christ, which is a free gift, not of your works, lest you start boasting about it. But he says that salvation is a free gift gift. And then in Romans chapter 4, he says that you can receive this gift by faith. And then in Romans chapter 5, he says that you were in the Adam's family. And it's because it was by the obedience of one man, disobedience of one man, we all became sinners. But by the obedience of one man, we all can become in right standing with God. So Romans chapter 5 through 7, he describes the freedom that we experience once you become a part of God's family. And I don't know about you that there was a time that I was in the Adams family, but thank God that he brought me out of the Adams family into his own family. Because you know what? 
in the Adder family, there's a lot of Mr. It's, Lurches. Some of you are young, you don't know what I'm talking about. So for the first 11 and a half chapters, it's beautiful. Paul expresses for uh, the amazing things that God has done for us. And then he says in chapter 12, he says that, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so Paul is saying that, look, based on all the mercy that God has poured out on you and because of who he is and what he has done, uh, that there is only one logical response that you can have based on what he did in Romans 3, based on what he did in Romans 4, based on what he did in Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, that there's only one response that you can have that's logical. And he said that that is to worship him. Do you know the beautiful thing about that? Is that back in Paul's day, they worshiped God by bringing sacrifices. They, bring, they would bring bulls and they would bring rams and they would bring lambs on the altar. And what they would do is they would slit their throat and they would bleed to death. And they would put it on an altar and they would offer it up as a sacrifice. But the difference for us is that instead of being a dead sacrifice, our logical response, Paul says, is that all that based on all that God has done for us, our logical response is for us to become a living sacrifice, living sacrifice. And so what we're doing is that we're walking around all day long as a living sacrifice that gives God glory, that gives God honor, that respects him, that praises him. We're walking around all day long and we're giving God the respect and the credit that he's due. Now, let me ask you this, and we think about it, since there's so many things in our lives that we take for granted, it's called habituation. And habituation says that I have a watch on, but I don't really look at my watch until I need to know the time. I need something from it. Habituation says that there is something that you really uh, prized in your life, but at some point in your life, that it just became a habit of not noticing until you needed it or wanted it. That happens in relationships where people don't notice each other until they want something from the other person. So when we look at that and we recognize then that that happens in our everyday lives, and so um, what, we, what God wants us to do is to uh, always give him the credit. And so we take some things for granted, and I just want to say this with you, is that the Bible says that let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Can you imagine what it would be like if you could not breathe? The Bible tells us that you may have a little pain in your body, but can you imagine if every joint and every Every, every, um, what is it that you, you have like organs? Every organ, that's it. Every organ was mis malfunctioning. It wasn't functioning the way that it was created. How much attention? And, and if you begin to see that there are some things that God does for us that we just take for granted and we just think that that's just the way uh, we're going to live our lives. You know what? I want to live to be 120. But, but, but I will tell you, I told uh, Jasmine the other day, Jasmine, I want to be in good health. And, um, and, and, and when I get 92, I want to be as in good a health as I am right now. Uh, and, 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 and one of the things that's so critical is that to do that, and God's just been impressing upon, on me as well. And, I, and I'll share this with you over the last two weeks. Uh, impressing on me in a very strong way of there are elements that are unique to us that, that he's called us to do that we've got to focus more on. And there's going to be more intense focus on healthy relationships. 
There's going to be more intense focus on being financially empowered. There's going to be more intense focus on uh, being healed in our bodies. And you know what? So what that simply means is that we've got to cooperate with God. And so how many of you know that there are some things we just can't eat every day? So I got to tell you, over the last two weeks, I kind of changed the way I eat. When God spoke that to me, I started changing the way I eat. And uh, now I'm still going to have a rib every now and then. But that's going to be like a vacation meal. You know what I mean? And, and I just want to challenge you that, um, that it, we, oh, God has, has, has given us some things. But you know what? The real key here is that we've got to cooperate with him as well. And so I think that I believe that we should uh, uh, make sure that we're eating for f- fuel to our bodies. Let the church say amen. amen. Not just because we enjoy how it tastes. The second thing I, b- I believe is that um, every, every motor needs a tune-up. And so your bodies need a tune-up. And you need to do something at least every day. At least a, a, a little bit something more intense three to four times a day. A week, rather. Let the church say amen. Now, is this foreign stuff I'm saying to you? It is foreign, okay. Well, we're going to have to spend some time on that in the month of October, talking about the mission that God has given us and how we're going to be intently, because I just, oh, my God. So, I, 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 amen. Would you, just, would you just stop right there and give God a hand clap of praise that you can breathe, that you can walk, that you can live, uh, that, that, that there's blood flowing, warm blood flowing in your veins. There's a wild of blood is flowing in your veins. Glory to God. Glory, we not take it for granted, but we magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Glory to God. God has created us in a way where he'll cause us, our bodies to heal itself. And we're going to cooperate with him. Amen? Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. So, so the difference for us then is that when they, we, we are a living sacrifice. And you know what? If the temple is not working, you, the, the spirit has no place to live. And so what we want to make sure is that we are that living sacrifice. And so beautiful thing, beautiful thing. Notice this, that throughout the Bible, the first living sacrifice was Isaac. Abraham took Isaac and, and, and Abraham was willing to make that sacrifice. And as he put Isaac on the altar, God says that Abraham, no, 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 now I know. And the Bible says he gave him an accounting formula and that put some stuff on his account. And Abraham was made right with God. So Isaac became the first, he was to be a dead sacrifice, but he was, he was the first living sacrifice. Then Jesus came along. He died, was buried, rose again, and he became living sacrifice. And every person that has accepted Jesus after that time uh, became living sacrifice. Why? Because we, was, we were once dead in our sins. We were once in the kingdom. But then now we became a living being. If any man is in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so the Bible says that we have a relationship with him that should be a beautiful dance. And it is not some kind of religious plod where we're just kind of giving around and thinking that it's an obligation that we do what we do and we honor him, we give him the credit. But the Bible says it should be a living, spirited dance. Oh, my God. A living, spirited dance. And you know what it's like. 
And uh, those of you that read uh, our uh, devotional uh, that went out this week that talked about a living spirit, spirited uh, dance, would you just put your hands together and give God a hand clap of praise? Look, my tell you, look, I'm telling y'all, I know what I'm talking about because when I met Gwen, I just wouldn't move very much because she was a dance, she was on the dance team, and uh, she was a cheerleader. Gwen can still stand straight up and touch her toes. I can't. This is as far as I go. And it's not my pants that's stopping me. I know some of y'all worried about that. But, but I can't do it. And so, uh, you know, but I got to move, though. And all I got to do is just, and that's, man, that's like, that dude's cool. But it's really insecure. Because if, if you move the bottom and it doesn't match the top, then everybody knows what you're trying to keep a secret. But oh boy, Gwen is saying right now, you amaze me. She told me that, you amaze me. Because boy, that top and that bottom is matching. Why? Because I got a revelation. I got a living, living, spirited dance. And boy, I like, woo, it all works together. Amen. And now, you know what's happening? When I'm moving like that, Gwen is like, it's reversed, shifted. <laughs> Glory. I'm going to, y'all pray for her. <laughs> so we are living sacrifices. Would you say that with me? I am a living sacrifice. Okay, now, so let's see what a living sacrifice does. In the book of Romans chapter 12, right there, we're going to change our translations. We're going to look at it in the Message Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the Message Bible. Champions, let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power now. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life and place it before God. Now notice this, it tells us that uh, it, is a, it is our spiritual or true uh, act of worship when we become living sacrifices. And then the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson, takes it a little bit further and he gives us the practical of what that looks like. And he says these words, he says that you've got to take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're just getting around town in the grocery store and place it before God as an offering, as a living sacrifice. And so what, what he's telling us here is this. The first thing that I told you, you were wired to worship and, and, and when your, your wires are short-circuited, your life doesn't function like God desired it to, do, to, to, to function. But you know what the second thing that I want you to get this morning is that you are to worship all day, every day. All day and every day. See, because worship is an attitude of the heart and, and it begins when, you, begins when you get up in the morning. Worship begins while you're sleeping at night. It continues to go with you until you go to bed at night. And then the beautiful thing about it is that everything in between when you get up and when you go to bed 
is influenced by the attitude of the heart. And in other words, proper worship isn't just a part of our lives. It is our lives. And so what God is saying, he says that, you know what? Everything you do, see it as giving me credit, honoring me, respecting me, praising me, which is worshiping me. And when you do that, he says that I am well pleased. Now, I want to challenge you this week to do what Romans 12, 1 is saying. That in the Message Bible, as it urges us to take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around, and place it before God as an act of worship. So worship is a verb, and it's based on what you do, not just what you say. Remember, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, and he says that they worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so it's not a noun that describes a person, place, or thing, but worship is a verb that describes an action that you should do with every breath you take.